This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Feelings do not have an external origin. In fact, all unhappiness seen in a situation, oneself or another person, registered emotionally as sadness, anger, fear, dissatisfaction, etc., are just reflecting an internal disturbance or reaction arising from negative thoughts, beliefs, and or judgments, and which is fundamentally a choice based on an incorrect belief of who, what I am. Valeria Tellez interviews Eloisa Ramos, the author of Beyond Self-Esteem, Discovering Your Boundless Self-Worth. Eloisa Ramos was born in 1960 in a farming village in Guanajuato, Mexico. Her family moved to Northern California in 1968. She graduated from Stanford University with a BA in sociology. She married, but when two of her four children developed asthma and substance sensitivities, she began looking for another way to help her children. It became clear to Eloisa that mainstream medicine did not offer a permanent solution for their health issues. In finding another way to help her children, she discovered EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques. She is a certified EFT Master Practitioner with the AMT. EFT tapping has opened up a new world of possibilities for Eloisa, her children, and her clients. She has evolved surrogate EFT to the Ramos Clearing Technique, which uses muscle testing to find unconscious, non-serving beliefs and energetic imprints. Using the principles learned in A Course in Miracles, she helps her clients release, clear, and let go of the obstacles to the awareness of love, which is the miracle, the source of healing. May her work help to light the way for all to uncover the truth that is within. Meet Eloisa at healing-with-eft.com. Here's the interview with Eloisa Ramos. In this moment, who is Eloisa Ramos? Okay. In this moment. (laughs) (laughs) So in this moment, Eloisa Ramos is just a, um, let's see, an instrument of communication. (laughs) And let's see, if I want to be open, I'm really open to receiving and to giving, basically. So I'm not giving a lot of believability anymore to a lot of what we could say is Eloisa Ramos, my background. Let's see, but I can give you some of that. So I was born in Mexico in a small little village. And my dad worked for the Bracero program in Texas. He picked cotton. So the U.S. would bring, I believe it was in the 1940s, they'd bring a lot of the workers from Mexico. And then in 1968, um, he had all of the family move to California. So, and then, you know, the thing that my dad, uh, even though he only had a first grade education, he really emphasized, he, he understood that it was really important, you know, for the kids that came with them. Cause we, we left some of my older brothers and sisters in Mexico. They were already married. Uh, so we went, we all went to college, the, the last four of us. And I graduated from Stanford um, in sociology. I started in engineering because I was good in math and science. Um, but I really found that it was a little bit too, very restrictive. You know, it's very specific. And it didn't give me a lot of uh, room to explore. And I was really just starting to 
I ask a lot of questions, you know, about myself, about life, about what's the purpose, why am I here, who am I? And um, that kind of started the whole journey um, to where to where we are. And um, as far as the healing, that that begun that started when I was married and had kids. And they developed, uh, they had a lot of allergies and asthma. And, and, you know, I started looking for different ways, alternatives. And and then I found, you know, emotional freedom techniques. And I tried a lot of, some other modalities. And and then I came to A Course in Miracles. So, so that brings us up to date, basically. Yeah. The last conversation we had, as I mentioned, off record, it was a hard opening but not just that was um i felt like um a depth that just poured into me into the understanding that i already had about what this is this experience of being the human body or in the human body or the illusion of it and then you said so many things that really resonated and made me explore more i have been uh-huh. doing kind of practicing practices on being more aware of what is here and what am I meant to see in this moment. So I thank you for that, Louisa. What a beautiful presence. That's what it is. That's what I see because it's it's almost like the absence of, of thoughts. When I think of you and being in your presence, there's something much deeper than thinking, than rational understanding of life. So it's just incredibly beautiful. I know I want to say the word magic, but then I found out that magic is not the the word. And that is because we talked about magic. And that's an interesting thing because I am beginning the conversation now, per se, with this idea of magic, what magic is. So... From the point of view of A Course in Miracles, talk to me for a moment about what magic is or it's not. Yes. So so magic is the belief that matter is creative. That's what A Course in Miracles teaches. And what that means is that we have given power to matter, to substances, to objects, okay, to affect us. And uh, because we have misunderstood our nature and our true identity. So we confuse it with a body and we forget that we are eternal beings, um, you know, of light, of spirit, of truth. And we disempower our mind, which is creative because it was created from the source of all creation. So when we attribute causality, the power to create, to matter, we are disempowering our mind. And when we do that, we lose the sense of being responsible for everything in our experience. I'm trying to understand that concept, this idea from an intellectual point of view and experiential too, of course, because I'm here in the body or being the body. And I see that the mind, a lot of times, it's guiding me to eat certain foods, uh, probably out of habit or maybe because I feel like I need for some reason, the body needs something healthier for some reason. You mentioned also something incredibly interesting when it comes to this understanding of magic in relation to matter. Let me see if I can find it here because that was so insightful and I have too many notes. Page 25 in A Course in Miracles, it says, magic is the mindless or the miscreative use of mind. Physical medications are forms of spells, but if you are afraid to use the mind to heal, you should not attempt to do so. The very fact that you are afraid makes your mind vulnerable to miscreation. Yes. Ah. Yes. So the fear, yes. So the mind, in order to create, and we misuse the word create, we confuse it with making. So the fear interferes with our remembering our true nature. And when we 
forget that, we go into fear because we identify with the body who, and the body is not eternal. You know, it, it, it's gonna, it has a beginning and it has an end. And so we're always trying to protect it. We're always trying to keep it safe. We're always trying to, you know, make sure it gets enough exercise. We make sure it gets enough rest. We're always taking care of it. Yes. And so we, when we identify with a body, we become fearful because we see ourselves from a point of reference of being in a much bigger world and the environment can be threatening. Okay. So when we are in fear, we are, we will block our creative power (laughs) or distort it. And that's why we miscreate experiences that are fearful rather than loving. Another phrase that caught my attention incredibly in the last conversation we had You said the goal in all healing is the release of fear. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'd love to hear more because it seems like fear is innate in a way, biologically, that we can't help it but be afraid sometimes of certain things. Yes. Well, we do bring a lot of fears uh, in already with us. So, you know, it would be nice if we came in with a clean slate, but we already kind of bring in a lot of stuff when we're born. So even a, a small child, I mean, you already come in with the fear of falling. You know, the baby already has that falling reflex. They're like, you know, uh, terrified. <laughs> so, and but, the, but you're right. It almost feels like it's the fear is innate because we go into a survival thing. And the survival thing, we even call it an instinct, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, and the only reason why it's an instinct is because it's so well rehearsed, you know. We are so well trained in it that it's completely unconscious and automatic. So we just call it an instinct, you know. But fear does not come from God. And in that's part of the issue is that we have some very fearful ideas about our creator, about our nature. And so a lot of times we are afraid of God and we, depending on what your religious background or, you know, your upbringing, you may think that, yes, God is loving, but he's also very punishing. And, you know, there's a heaven, but we also learn that there's a hell or, or things like that. So, so the fear is also associated with God, you know, until we really look at that and really explore that idea and recognize that God is only love. God is only creating, is only extending life. Okay. And it's not the author of death because God is eternal. God cannot give us a death because that would not be eternity. He cannot give us what he doesn't have. Just like we cannot give something we don't have. Yes. So, so fear is made, we make up fear, we make up problems. And, you know, methods like EFT and other methods work because they work with the mind that made the problem and the same mind can undo the problem. That would be the same source, Eloisa. Because I have heard about different levels of the mind. I think you mentioned that too, or somebody else did. So would that, the same place that creates the problems, would be the same one that would fix the problems per se, or there are different levels of consciousness? Oh, okay. Yes. So the mind that makes the problem is a mind that believes it is separate from its source. Okay. And we can call that ego, the ego mind, or you can call it the lower mind or, or, or unconsciousness or whatever you want to use. And at some point, that mind, let's see, looks at what it has made and it, and it says, well, gee, you know, if I made the problem, I'm kind of stuck here because I can't figure out how to undo it if it just relies on itself. And then when we really look at that, something else comes up that says, no, you know, there has to be another way. 
And so when we open the mind to another way of seeing things, to another possibility, then this other part of our mind, which we call the higher mind or the Holy Spirit or our connection to truth, that comes through. And it is um, it's that willingness to look at the problem and, and to look at it without condemnation and without judgment, you know, that allows us to open up and receive help <laughs> from, from that higher mind. And that openness to receive the help is our connection to truth, which is the light that will then dispel the problem. Because the problem is an illusion. You could say it's a dream. Yeah. That's another interesting idea for the mind, the separated mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. that this is an illusion. It's a challenge, isn't it, for the mind to uh, understand, I mean, to grasp that. It really doesn't. It is a challenge because if we go from, you know, the physical level, we we learn, we are taught that, you know, objects are solid. And so they're physical. And we call that reality. Okay. Because we, we distinguish it from an image, you know, on television. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> we're trying to explain to children, oh, well, no, you what you're watching is not real. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Those kind of things. Um, <laughs> so, or, you know, we distinguish a dream, right? And then we wake up and we're like, oh, I'm so glad that wasn't real. Okay. <laughs> But so we make a distinction between unreality and then, you know, we look at the waking experience and we say, well, then this must be reality, right? But it's still a perception of separation because I'm looking at things as separate objects with space in between. Now, what can kind of bridge bridge, uh, you know, going from the physical to kind of the spiritual is we have a lot of energy ideas coming in now. And we have a lot of, you know, mind body connection ideas. And so the whole idea of energy and quantum physics and all of that is showing us that this is not really solid. You know, most of it is space. (laughs) So, so we begin, you can always begin you know, you don't have to make that big, big leap there, but you can begin in smaller ways. And that's, that's really how I started because when I started with EFT, I learned muscle testing. And so, you know, I started seeing uh, the unconscious stuff by asking the questions with the muscle testing. And then I started seeing the connections, uh, releasing the allergy and you know, the child, oh, well, that released it in the mother too. Well, that's, mm. it, you know, yeah. <laughs> what's going on there? Well, it's, it's one mind. Yeah. So, mm. so then, um, mm. so the process of healing is also the process of awakening because we start seeing that our, what we were perceiving was not true and our perception expands. And then we, we begin to see that everything is really just one life, one creation. And, you know, I, I can't, um, if I take um, an action, if I, my own thoughts have an impact. And it's really easy to see when you think about, like, when someone comes up with a new invention, you think, oh, wow, that's a really novel idea. But, you know, across the world, someone else is coming up with the same thing. So, yes, so it's not, um, a, there's no separation. It's just a perception of separation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we confuse is we confuse perception with knowledge. Okay. But, but perception is not knowledge. So perception is based on the physical, physical information, physical senses, which are all limited. Um, yeah. I love the way you communicate the message of healing and spirituality mm-hmm. being connected. The more we heal, in the sense of uh, becoming aware of how much we're miscreating with the mind, then the more free, per se, we'll become. And with that in mind, Louisa, what does it 
look like or what does it feel like if there is a feeling to describe this place, this space of freedom, of spiritual freedom, of, let's say, of true knowledge of what this is? Well, it's definitely free of fear, okay, because the, you know, there's a deeper understanding that that reality is our eternal nature, okay, and therefore anything that I am perceiving that is not eternal is not real. So the foundation uh, gets kind of turned the other way because because right now it's upside down, but we think that's the right side up. Yeah, wow. so, so it yeah. goes the other way, um, and so the foundation, you know, is really unconditional love because that's our true source and our true nature, and that's what life really is. And uh, when you connect with that, then life is an expression of our own understanding of what we are. And so the deeper our understanding, the more that life and our experiences will reflect that back to us. Because the mind is always uh, projecting um, or extending. We're either projecting our fearful thoughts and then we're perceiving fearful things because they're miscreations, they're misinterpretations. Um, Or we're extending and sharing love and that's what we are experiencing and that's what we are receiving. When you say all minds are connected, you said it earlier, and this is something that when we are no longer looking at life through the lens of separation, then it's very clear that everything is connected there's mm-hmm. nothing that's separated. That really caught my attention about the A Course in Miracles, yeah, that passage about not using, not even attempting to use the mind if we're afraid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that something that it would translate into not eating, let's say, something that's harmful to the body, not ingesting, let's say, poison because you know you would die, the body would die from it. So I wonder if those with um, in that space of trust in the mind that you would not miscreate where there's no more fear. Is that something that they would attempt to do? Because I have heard some story of a spiritual teacher who did that. I think he ingested LSD. That was Rondas who made Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. told the story and nothing Mm -hmm. really happened to him. Yeah. (laughs) Did you hear about this story? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so we, we're we're pretty much familiar with the placebo effect. Yes. Okay. So everything is a placebo effect. Everything that we ingest is basically a placebo effect. So whatever we believe will give that substance that power, and um, it and if we are giving that substance creative ability, it will miscreate symptoms in the body. Okay, because we believe it, we're afraid of it, and it, that's what we are miscreating. It shows up, okay, and, and to release to release that the symptoms, okay. Um, in in fact, I I had an experience with a, a lot of cramping one time, and it was after I had um, visited my sister, and they'd made this milkshake. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, oh my god, it was a milkshake, <laughs> right? <laughs> And um, and I mean, I was in a lot of pain. I thought it was food poisoning. So I, I you know, I was in bed. I didn't go to work, and I it was like the third day, and I was gonna, re- I was ready to tell my husband, okay, you need to take me to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized something about what had happened, and what had happened was that my sister had called me and told me, oh, you should come over, you know, my other sister's there and we're making this milkshake and da, 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 da. And so, you know, I didn't really want to go. <laughs> I was tired. Yeah. But I went anyway, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so once I remembered, oh, sh- you know what? I, I had a conflict there. And once you catch yourself with a conflict, there's going to be fear 
okay. And once I realized and I tapped on that, I, I, I got better. The symptoms, you know, cleared. I didn't have to go to the hospital. It all just cleared up. So, so basically we work with a mind, you know, to release the symptoms because that's where the conflict is and that's where the fear is. Um, and if we can get to the root of that specific symptom, then you'll see the symptom release. But the trick, and that's really the tricky part, because a lot of times, you know, people, when they join the Course in Miracles groups or they talk about the miracle, you know, of course, says that the miracle um, results in any type of healing. And but sometimes people are really praying and really wanting um, and forgiving and really wanting to target a specific symptom. And that symptom doesn't go away. Okay. But through my experience with uh, EFT, um, what happens is that you're not targeting the, that specific conflict. So the symptom's going to show up because it's tied to a specific conflict. And you have to you have to dig and follow the roots to get to that specific one. And if a person comes, I have a client that comes to me and you know has chronic illness and has a number of issues. Maybe they have diabetes, maybe they have high blood pressure, but you know, they have maybe a back problem and they're trying to address, you know, not being able to sleep at night. So they have all these other issues going on. So you work with the mind and you release a lot of the conflicts in the mind, but maybe you didn't actually get to that specific one. So they're not, they're not seeing that that specific one healed, but it's not that there wasn't any healing is that, you know, you have to, um, the, the client has to be able to connect back down to the roots that are unconscious and bring them up to look at the specific error that's underneath that specific uh, reflection. Because, you know, the body, just like the physical world, is just a reflection of our thinking of what's in our mind. Yeah. Any symptoms we have in the body, it's a reflection, it's a right, reflection. Louisa, of a miscreation in the mind. It is. And, yeah, and the, the way to try to sort of go into the root is... I use, I work with metaphors, you know, so I'll ask people questions. Well, you know, what does that symptom remind you of? If you really go into the symptom, I mean, sometimes, you know, you may, maybe you're, you have a fear of driving. Okay. Oh, or, I do actually. That's oh, interesting. Oh, you do? Okay. Say that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very intuitive of you. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I'll ask them, okay, well, when you think about driving, what shows up in your body, you know, and they'll say, well, there's tightness in my chest, you know, or there's tightness in my stomach. And so we, we also include that in there because that's a specific symptom of the issue that's showing up. And, and sometimes you can get, it can be like, maybe it's showing up in the eyes, you know? So, so for example, I was uh, helping my sister who was uh, having a lot has having dizziness you know, and they couldn't figure out what, what was going on. And for some reason, I started asking, well, I know why, because I had talked to someone who, who said that her, her dizziness had to do with one eye really losing vision, and she wasn't aware. So there was a, you know, there's a disbalance when what, she's trying to see and she can't. So anyway, I started asking her questions about her eyes. And we ended up working with how she was making her seeing uh, what is outside of her the point of reference for her self-identity. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so she was interpreting everything, what people said to her, what she saw, what happened outside, and was using that as a reference point for believing her, what she was as an idea as a self, you know. So we worked with that and released that, and and she her, the dizziness went away. Yeah, so it's a matter of really, you know, just targeting uh, specific things. But the miracle always happens at the level of the mind because that's where the correction comes. So by by making her seeing, 
you know, that's the effect. So what we see is not the is not the cause, it's the effect. And by turning that upside down, it's almost it's almost like an EFT is called polarity reversal. We're polarity reversing the poles. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, as we see in so many uh, healing modalities, and EFT is one of them, we go through the process of discovery, uncovering, exploring what led to that miscreation. Yeah, what it takes for that to be uncovered and really resolved. Does it take willingness in our parts, being open, or this is something that somebody like you, a professional, can guide us all the way? Is it both sides? Yeah, it's both because, um, I mean, I can do the guiding, but, but you have to be open to looking at it. And sometimes uh, that's a block for people. So you have to really uh, allow the client to kind of lead the way and the pace. Some people can do it very quickly because they're already very open. They're not afraid to look within. They're, and and some people have a lot of resistance to it because, um, you know, we tend to confuse error with sin, okay? So if we um, learn to equate making a mistake with getting punished, we're going to be afraid to look at the mistakes. Yes, and because we will blame ourselves and punish ourselves because there's, you know, as an adult, there's not, it, yeah, the authority figure's not there, but, but we've learned it that way. So, you know, I think it does require, you almost, at some point, sometimes people have to exhaust their other alternatives before they're really willing to go that route. So we will explore, we will do everything that modern medicine has to offer. And once, you know, they've exhausted all the alternatives, then they're like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm, open now. <laughs> I'm open now, which is fine. But, you know, that's, that's how we learn. That's how we're choosing to learn. And that's the progress. We're the ones that are deciding how long this process of healing our mind is going to take us. And so that's why the miracle saves time, because if we are willing to um, normal and every day, okay, so it's not that they're not there, it's that we are not open to receiving them. Yeah, so. I wonder what it takes to, at that level, Eloisa, Mm -hmm. like I have been engaging so many healing practices and I read so much and I'm open to all this knowledge to come in and sometimes I feel that um, I'm still not open to receive mm-hmm. all of it or maybe I am but I wonder if that can be actually um, understood by the mind can we get to that place of deeper understanding as you have achieved as you are and explain that using words because that it seems to me like that's the undescribable isn't it knowing that this is an illusion and it's almost like I become speechless. All the questions, they quiet down and, and disappear when that understanding kind of falls in for a second, for a split second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, well, the, um, there, there's, there's resistance to opening up to the truth. because One, because the majority of people around us embracing <laughs> separation mm, reinforcing that in a way yeah we are and also the wish to be special demands separation you know and um it demands scarcity so there's um there's a very strong desire in us to be self-sufficient and uh we are we are conditioned we are trained you know in school to want to achieve and to want to succeed and to uh, to be better than others and to compete and to be special and so the the that desire to be self-sufficient in as a special separate self that gets in the way and also the other side of that coin is the feeling of being undeserving of good things 
because that, in a way, is also being special, but in a in a misery kind of way. You know, I am so lowly and miserable, and you know, I am a sinner. Or um, and you know, I grew up um, Catholic, and my mom was very religious, and and there's a lot of ideas around the value of sacrifice and of um, of struggle and. Uh, and even of suffering, um, you know, my, like my mom believed this was a world of suffering and that, and that that had some redemption qualities to it. So those would also be blocks because, you know, why would I want a happy, easy life just guided, guided at every moment? <laughs> um, yeah, so we actually would rather be right Mm. And that's what the Course says, yeah. Even if we think we are not behaving in this way, like operating from these blockages, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are. Isn't it funny? I, yes. I find that to be true, that we have to go always deeper. What does it take, Louise? I'm, it seems like I'm trying to get to, <laughs> to the point of how do we really open up <laughs> this truth and let it guide us? To, um well, it really just takes a little willingness, and then you turn it over, you trust. So the trust is really, really the important, I would say, turning point, because you have to uh, make a decision, <laughs> and then at that point, you trust, because you, you're not going to know, it's, you're going to, what I'm tr- trying to say is, you're going to need to trust first before the knowledge is there. Do you see what I'm saying? So, um, because it's the trust that's going to open the mind to, to remember and to receive it. So it is kind of a leap of faith. You know, it, it, that you do have to connect to that knowing that at some point, somewhere, that little bit of knowing shows up and you, you want to be able to really connect to that and just trust that and then use that as the reference point, you see, for then looking at everything else. And then you start reevaluating what is really more valuable here, because uh, that's sort of what we will, be- we will believe what we value. And if we want to believe what is not true, we will do that because we value it. And that's what sickness is, really, is we want to believe what is not true. So it's just the self-delusion. Yeah. So we're almost at the end of this meeting today, Eloisa, and I can't help it but ask you another question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really okay. Ultimately, what would freedom be, really? Looking from this perspective, being a body here now, trying to be free, in a sense, to be open. What is beyond the motivation to be Free from feelings, from, you know, harsh emotions and all these pain that comes with the misinterpretation and miscreation of everything that's in front of us. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I wonder what happens if you can talk about that for a moment once the body is no longer here, although it's not here anyway. <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way, it's not here. Mm-hmm. But when it's not here, here, in a sense of we cannot perceive the body as the body. Do you have, uh, let's say... Any knowledge when it comes to mind continuation and reincarnation? Do we lose the body and then the mind continues to live its own miscreations through other bodies, per se? Okay. So when we look at the belief in separation, we call that the ego. And we call that the ego mind. Okay. And so the ego mind is a system of thoughts that support the perception of separation. Okay. And all of these thoughts are really made up. Okay. And, but we believe them. Okay. And so the healing of the mind means that we are going to be looking at these thoughts and we are going to dispel (laughs) the belief that we've given them because we can see they're, they're not serving us. uh, They're not true. And they're only producing uh, experiences that are fearful, uh, that are not loving. And so as we, you know, we live each day, each moment, 
the practice of forgiving those things that show up in our life that are coming from those thoughts is the practice of, because they're mirrors. So anything that shows up in our life that's harsh, that's, you know, that we see it as attacking or harmful, is an opportunity to really look at my own thinking, you know, and to take responsibility for it and forgive it. And I forgive it because when I look at it, I can see that it's in misalignment with the truth. And so I am misperceiving myself or you or God. Okay. And so I can let it go when I recognize that. And and so the more we release those um, thoughts that are in the ego system, you could say the more clarity is in our mind. So we're dispelling darkness because that's the healing of the mind. And therefore, there's less lessons to learn the next time. Because if we don't let go of the belief in separation, we're going to continue to miscreate the birth as a separate body and death cycle. Yeah, because that's a belief in time and space. And so, yes, we keep coming back because we believe that in time and space, we still have not let go of that belief. So, so it's a process, but at some point, you know, we don't need to come back. We don't need to um, have an experience in, in time and space as a body anymore because those beliefs have been healed. And um, yeah, and the mind does not need to make that journey anymore. Um, so it has woken up and it knows with absolute truth that it's impossible for it to be a body and that there is no time. Where would it go? <laughs> There's nothing else. I guess what comes to mind is once that is achieved, per se, then this reality will no longer exist. The earth itself, right? And Louisa, there's no need for this. Yes. In fact, um, uh, Gary Renard, he's a, a Course in Miracles uh, teacher, wrote the book, The Disappearance of the Universe. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a really good book. But that's sort of the idea. The idea is that, you know, the universe is not really here. We, we see it, but it's not really here. We think it is. We feel it is. We sense it. And for that, we need a body, uh, you know, and an ego to interpret all of those, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, stimulus, stimulants. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, mm. you know, once that identity, uh, once we realize they're not real, they're part of the illusion, then, you know, it's like the old philosophy question, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and there's no one to hear it, does it make a noise? <laughs> <laughs> Did it even fall? <laughs> Did it mm. fall? I mean, yeah. so it's the same idea, you know, without, um, the recognition that we're not a body, we're not an ego, what would, what kind of world would there be? There wouldn't be a world. Every time I hear like these words and I read, of course, I read a lot about it. There's something that the message is communicated, it's transmitted. It's very powerful in a sense that I can feel almost like at some level in the mind, healing taking place. That's amazing. Just by listening to the Yes. Yes, because within us is the truth that every every living being, though we may perceive ourselves as separate, cannot be alive and not be connected to that eternal spark of life. So that truth is always there to resonate um, with truth because we share it. We all share it. And that that's our fundamental nature. And that's what makes us fundamentally equal. And, and all the other differences are perceptual judgments that, um, that are not really meaningful unless we give, unless we want them to be meaningful, you know, and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. Thank you so much, Louisa, again, for your presence yeah. today, for our conversation again. I mean, yes. thank incredibly you. deep in the depth of it, uh, it can be felt. That's incredible. Like, as I said before, so that in itself, your presence in itself, it's healing. Thank you. Thank you. What is one message from our conversation today you wish everyone to understand 
and take with them. Mm-hmm. If there's one message. Well, I know that a lot of people struggle with meaning and purpose. Um, and sometimes young people can be very confused because the world, when we look at it and we look at the news, it feels like, oh my gosh, you know, why would I want to be here? Why would I want to be alive? And I think it's really important to remember that that we have a calling <laughs> that that our our presence is meaningful because our mind is can be open our mind can offer what we think is lacking in the world because it's within us so it's not a matter of looking outside for what we think we lack it's a matter of going inside and discovering that the source of everything is inside and then you bring that forth so that's something i think that um that i learned i remember um that was very helpful for me um when i was younger and i was trying to participate and kind of help with social equality and all of the issues that go on in the world and 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 i realized that ultimately the world was just reflecting back to me my own thinking and that made the spiritual journey and the healing of the mind very valuable and very important and every single person can contribute to making the world a reflection of love yeah what a beautiful message yeah so true mm-hmm. and what comes to mind is that when you said earlier i mean it's something that is uh, profound and so true that all minds are connected anyway mm-hmm. the more we change ourselves like you and me and so many what doing this work of open up uh, to receive that knowledge then automatically should affect all the other minds right or the perceived uh, separated minds right Louise and it's surprising that doesn't do it fast enough <laughs> right <laughs> everyone's not already there now <laughs> yes so every loving thought is a blessing to everyone because the it's one mind and all those all those loving thoughts are available to us it's it's a little bit like you know thinking about uh, buddha or jesus or you know some of, of who we consider enlightened beings and their mind is also our mind do you see what i'm saying because it's the same mind and because they were able to heal their mind and recognize the truth and only the truth that made it so much more credible and more so much more believable for us to say well well of course it's possible you know and in fact it's already accomplished which is kind of a, a, a it might sound kind of strange but but the reason why this is all is an, an illusion is because it's actually a past memory and it's all over and done with So what the course says was that you know the idea of separation is a tiny mad idea and as soon as it entered the mind it was given the answer and the answer is there is no separation <laughs> that's just a, a tiny mad idea so so we don't take it seriously okay because the minute we take it seriously then we believe it yes and so and that makes forgiveness very very easy um when you remember that um that i don't really have to accomplish anything because it's all already done i just have to realize that it's already done <laughs> i love that yeah that also resonates true yeah mm-hmm. it's the paradox um that we already there but we have not yet seen that So how fantastic. Because we never left. You see, we never yes, left. Right. We never separated. Right. Um, we never we never lost our freedom. We are still a spirit, um eternal and yes, so. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to uh <laughs> to the wonderful idea concept or perhaps even the experience of of dancing 
that's what I say a lot of times. We're just here to dance. <laughs> it's this amazing dance of right being and yeah. not being free. But when we realize that we are free, then the dance of not being free becomes so much more graceful. And I see that in a lot of people that I am in contact with, that I meet often, how gracefully they dance in this reality. You were one of them. Thank you so much. Mm, thank okay. you. Yes. So before we say goodbye, what is the best way to contact you to find out more about your work and your services and future projects? Uh, my website, it's uh, com, And I have a contact page there. So if you want to contact me, you can. Um, I do work with clients. I do sessions. Um, and I also... I have a couple of courses. One is on EFT, which is introductory, so it, anybody can um, can take it and learn how to do EFT for themselves. Um, and the other one is more advanced. That one's um, it's the Ramos clearing technique, which uses the the muscle testing uh, and the surrogate. The ideas from the sur- surrogate EFT to kind of find all those hidden unconscious you know, splits and beliefs and conflicts and all that. So that that's all on my website. So, Wonderful. Yeah. And I'll have yeah. the link below the video once it's okay. published, which is, will be live anyway. So thank you so much again. Thank Louise. you, it's Valeria. Bye thank for you. now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Eloisa Ramos and her work, please visit healing-with-eft.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.